Hello and welcome to the Fight Like a Girl podcast. Today I am joined by the wonderful Avery Clement. Um, who's going to introduce herself? Because that's what I'm doing now. I really hope you enjoy. And I think I've pressed a button. And now everything, yeah. everything's recording. Okay, um, do you want to introduce yourself? I want to know how you introduce yourself to people. Tell, tell everyone who you are what your name is okay hey guys my name is avery clements i am the managing editor at the jiu-jitsu times and a jiu-jitsu purple belt that's about all there is to me <laughs> Ooh, fancy <laughs> so how did you get into like i'm assuming that you came from a journalism background so did you just go i like jiu-jitsu maybe i'll start writing about it and then Kind of. So I actually got started writing. Um, I was teaching English as a second language at the time. And I started jujitsu, I want to say like nine months before. So I'm still like an itty bitty baby white belt. Aww. And um, yeah, and so <laughs> I was, um, I was working a restaurant job. And I was also teaching online on the side. And um, I was just like, you know what, People have been telling me I'm a good writer for a while, so like, why not? I'll look for some writing jobs, and so I found one. And it wasn't like a martial arts website; it was like one of those viral websites, you know. And it was like in the peak of clickbait, you know, just like <laughs> you won't believe what happens next. And um, so my writing sample that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so my writing sample for that was about Ronda Rousey, and. Um, this was like, I think it was right before her first fight for the UFC. Um, and yeah, so I wrote about that. And again, not related to the site's content at all, but I got that job. And then it just kind of progressed through the years. Like I would do writing for lifestyle websites. Um, and then my friend, Emil Fisher, I met him at a tournament in Ohio when I went to, to compete there. And um, we just got to talking. I liked his crazy unicorn outfit and he <laughs> complimented my jujitsu and um so yeah we were talking and I told him I was a writer and he's like oh you should write for jujitsu times like but <laughs> doing a better job of writing about jujitsu than they were so <laughs> well, exactly like I ran my first uh, jujitsu competition as a white belt like no way it doesn't really mean anything <laughs> like if you're good at yeah. organizing things then surely it's fine <laughs> Yeah, that's so awesome. I didn't know you organized your first tournament as a white belt. How did that come about? Um, I recognized that there, was a, there wasn't a, a massive space for women in jiu-jitsu in the UK. So mm -hmm. I wanted to create something that would allow them to flourish. <clears throat> yeah. So the way Fight Like a Girl originally came about was I wanted to put on a competition that was for women only, and the environment around it was, uh, I don't know, like accepting and a bit more progressive. So we offered childcare facilities. We had like bouncy castles. We had uh, photo booths. Um, just stuff to take away some of the um, intensity that you get at regular competitions. Like I, yeah. wanted, I wanted the whole vibe of the place to be just you know, relaxed and enjoyable. And um, it it was. <laughs> Everyone really enjoyed the day. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it again. And I did it again and it was better. So, yeah. I love that. 
I know, I know. I love, love, love that. <laughs> well, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm pretty cool. Like, I don't I'm know. aware. <laughs> <laughs> don't do things like that. <laughs> no, but especially like the idea of, you know, a, an area for childcare, because you think about how many people, like I've seen it, you know, and I've worked tournaments and some of the athletes and it always ends up being the women, you know, the women have to leave early because, you know, they have to take care of their kid or, you know, their kids with them and just cranky or, yeah. you know, like there's, that's a barrier that I think doesn't get acknowledged when it comes to women's competition in jujitsu. Oh yeah, for sure. Like there were a lot of things that I wanted to kind of accommodate to make sure that the a larger demographic of women would be able to participate so um, yeah I just tried to think about all of the things that would stop someone from coming and um yeah like that's kind of it um and then I was like I want to talk to people about jiu-jitsu so that's how this podcast came about on top of the um what's it called the competition so yeah yeah it's uh it's grown and evolved over time but I don't, i'm enjoying it it's fine I that's suppose. brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so awesome i love that you've found and created all these other avenues to explore jujitsu with like it's more than just you know a hobby <laughs> well i describe myself as a hobbyist <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I'm never gonna be a professional but i just um i enjoy everything behind like the training and competing on top of the training aspect of it so yeah. yeah and like most of the time when people talk about um like jujitsu competitors or people within jujitsu it's normally only like high level people so you don't really get the yeah. perspective of people like just in amongst the day-to-day -day stuff and yeah the reason for the podcast originally was um to put people front and center who had um like overcome something in order to mm -hmm. train so the first person i had on had um fibromyalgia and she talked through how she was able to overcome that and then continue to train jiu-jitsu um then i had someone on who had uh like severe anxiety and depression and then i talked mm. to the uk's first female black belt and uh, how she got into the sport and all of that stuff and yeah kind of just evolved into who do I want to speak to <laughs> who are my yeah friends? something I've noticed too because that's like I, I hope that um you know it shows in the type of writing that I do but um I feel like those are the stories that people want to hear about you know like people yeah. like you and me like we want to know what those stories are and you know we can't be the only people yeah. And you'll, you'll find when you interview a lot of people, you know, like the top level athletes that people, you know, they like to watch them. But when you interview them, the, the topic that gets discussed is normally like, you're good at jujitsu. <laughs> what else? <laughs> you know, like, and that's kind of, you know, I don't want to be like, that's all there is to that person. But, mm. you know, when jujitsu is their life and that is what they are known for, mm. it's like, that's kind of the same conversation that gets had. So I always love you know, like the type of work that you're doing or the type of work that I try to do where we find people that like, yes, jujitsu is a part of their life, you know, a big part of their life, but like kind of going under the surface and being like, what, what makes them a person and what are they bringing into the community as well? Mm. Yeah. And if like not to down talk 
some uh, like high level competitors because there are some who have really interesting backgrounds, but yeah. there are some where it's just like, yeah, I train, I've trained jujitsu, I've always trained jujitsu. It's kind of all I do. I play video games, and then that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, but I want to know about like the mother of three who has to look after like three kids, send them to school, do like a part time job, and then gets to train in the evening for an hour, like. I want to know about those people, people who have yeah. to, like, it, where jujitsu is an outlet rather than an income, if that makes yes. sense. Yes, that's a really good way of putting that, actually. That's a really beautifully <laughs> phrased. Um, I mean, I'm, but yeah, I completely agree. I'm I'm pretty poetic when I talk. Um, I, I'm aware. <laughs> stop saying that. <laughs> I'm being ironic. It's not fair. I'm not. <laughs> So, um, how did you get into the sport originally? Like, you you started writing about jiu-jitsu like nine months after. Like, you're, yeah. you're teaching English as a second language. Where are you teaching English as a second language? Is it in the so States? So, I don't do it anymore. I was, um, I was actually living in Costa Rica. I oh. lived there for about, yeah. So, I lived there for about four years. Um, and so, while I was living there, I, oh man, how long was it into that trip? It, was, it wasn't that long into when I was in school for teaching English as a foreign language. Um, but I was in a taxi and the taxi driver tried to sexually assault me because I was just like a naive 19 year old, like, we're going to be friends and I'm going to sit in the front seat, you know, like it's the full experience of the country. and like, don't do that. <laughs> um, That's not the experience and, uh, you were after. Yeah, exactly. So that happened. Um, and I got away and I was okay. Um, but the next day I was like, I never want to feel that vulnerable again. And also like, I've been wanting to get in shape. Like I wasn't like mm. fat, but I was just like, I, I want muscle, you know, like I want to be a badass. And so that kind of presented an opportunity and there's a little MMA gym by where I lived. And I originally wanted to do Krav Maga, but it didn't line up with my work schedule. So I did kickboxing. And then the guy was dating at the time, um, did jujitsu at another school. And so he was like, you should try jujitsu. And like, I didn't have that moment of, you know, people try it and they're like, this is for me. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. I didn't really have that. It was just kind of like, all right, like I can do this. This is all right. Like I, I didn't like ever have that moment of like, this is amazing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I just like, I just kept going back and I kept going back and I kept going back. And eventually it kind of turned into, into something that was like very empowering for me. Like I'm small, but you know, I can, mm. you know, choke somebody that's larger than, you know, all the cliche oh, stuff you hear people talk best. about. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're cliche. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah so it was just that and that was what eight years ago now oh, so wow. yeah most of my adult life <laughs> nice and now you've just been moving around ever since like who can I who can I learn the best things from I'm really tired yeah. I need to find tiny people to throw me jujitsu yeah <laughs> but I get stuff like out of everybody like I'm lucky um at the gym I'm currently at Trinity MMA here in Adelaide um, one of the owners is, um, and he's the head coach. He's a bit smaller. Like he's just kind of like a short, stocky wrestler. And I've gotten a lot of my jujitsu improved from him. And then another one of the owners and another coach is like this gigantic, he's literally twice my weight. He's just like a big <laughs> dude. And he has also taught me 
so much and doesn't let me get away with things like, but I'm small. I can't do that. It's like, yes, you can. <laughs> like, you just need to do it better. Um, and so I'm lucky here that, you know, I have two really high level coaches who can help guide me in that journey. That's awesome. Like having yeah. the people who aren't afraid to say you can do it if you, if you do it properly like yeah that's nice to have like I've been to gyms where it's just like oh you probably just can't do it then it's like yeah okay I guess I just can't do triangles ever thanks yeah thanks for letting me know (laughs) yeah and that like that's been a struggle I have had um you know at previous gyms where I would say like and I think I kind of got into my own head about it because I'd have coaches that were bigger than me or like more muscular tall or whatever and they'd show me something and I just like wouldn't be able to do it and like size would be a factor or whatever I'm sure also just my lack of experience but they would just kind of give up you know I'd be like this isn't working for me like it it doesn't seem to work for my body type and they would just kind of be like well Mm. I'm large and it works for me therefore I don't know how to help you you know (laughs) like they didn't say those exact words but that was kind of (laughs) what was was behind them you know Um, so it's been nice to yeah. So it's been nice to come here and, you know, me being like, okay, this isn't working for me. And, you know, sometimes a coach will be like, okay, let's see how we can make it work for you. Like we're going to troubleshoot this until it does. And that's nice. And it's also nice for me to, you know, when that little voice comes into your head, like, this isn't for me, this technique is not for me. And then a coach comes in and says like, no, like you're just fucking it up. Like <laughs> You need to do it better and then it'll work and then it works and mind blown <laughs> just be better at jujitsu how difficult yeah, is it exactly like, I'm kind of in the same boat as you I um personally I feel like I hit the I hit the lottery when um I moved to where I am now um yeah because the coaches that I'm under are both very proactive in like helping people work out what works for them and mm-hmm. the instructor that I have is very, he's like small, but he's very like uh, mobile and like, yeah, like a little monkey just runs around and gets yeah. all over the place. Um, but because I'm big and fat, I always say, oh, I, I can't do this bit here. And he'll always have like two or three adjustments to go, oh, because of your size, you might want to try this. You might want to try this. And then he'll like just sit there and talk me through the things that I need to do and um the same with like my um other coach Hayley like she helps me through a lot of the stuff that I uh I want to do but I feel like I shouldn't be able to do like um everyone says because I got long arms and legs like I should be looking for triangles and like spider guard and things like that but Mm -hmm. I'm also big and fat so I just want to get on top of people and then you know just wait them out because I'm also lazy and I can't be bothered to put so much energy into stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So just do this one thing. Oh, cool. I've got a collar. Now I'm just going to stay here forever. (laughs) That's honestly me too, though. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something to be said, I think, for, you know, like lazy jujitsu. And, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people that are like, no, just keep going. And, you know, there's (laughs) stuff to be said for that as well. But you know, when you can figure out good resting positions, mm. like that's something I really tell a lot of, especially like white belts or people that are new to competing. 
um, is that like you cannot, especially like in a competition, if you just go, 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 like you're going to tire out in the first two minutes, you know, like you need to find positions where you can rest and take a minute and just and breathe and you know because that's how you conserve your energy and keep going and stay safe you know because then you're not doing a bunch of crazy stuff and making dumb mistakes Mm. like that was probably the biggest um well some of the best advice i ever received because like at competition the number of people that i've competed against that when they get into it they'll like hold their breath as they're like doing moves and Mm -hmm. stuff and they'll just tire themselves out so like yeah I'm always consciously going in, out, in, out, and just like trying to breathe naturally and then like not tire myself out like ridiculously. And then if someone's on my back, I will just stop for a minute and be like, okay, does it hurt too much? No. Okay. I can take a rest. Let me just rest for a second, see what I'm going to do. And then like you just take a beat and then try and work it out from there. But yeah, resting positions are invaluable when it comes to jujitsu especially if you've if you know you've already lost the position and someone has you inside control and you just go okay i need to take a second to regroup and then just work from there but like it's difficult to recognize those (laughs) those times especially early on because you're like oh no they're automatically going to progress it's like no no you have to just wait for them to move it's fine it's honestly fine and then yeah that i'm pretty sure i've talked about it on here before but like the best advice i ever received was um if it has a name it's going to be difficult to defend because someone would have wrecked it so much so rather than attacking the move you attack the transition so like um like the toriando pass it's difficult to defend against but they still there's still like a transition period where they get past your legs and if they haven't secured the position correctly in that transition you attack that tiny amount of like space or time that they haven't yeah. taken up and that's helped me immensely in my time uh, just both in competing and inspiring i think i don't know they're really good that's that's brilliant advice I know. And it's one of those things where you're like, why didn't I learn this my first day of jujitsu? And I think a lot <laughs> of people kind of figure that out, you know, like as time goes on instinctively. But to hmm. hear it phrased like that, I think yeah. people get a lot out of that when they hear it. Um, that was Helen Curry. She was the UK's first um, black belt. Um, okay. When I went up to speak to her, she had... She had so much um, experience under her belt. I could have just sat there and listened to her and her partner talk all day. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they, um, I think they run combat base up in the north of England. And um, she's like this little Scottish lady, like really unassuming. Um, she's like a bit, a bit older. So like really, really uh-huh. unassuming. And then after the podcast, um, she was like, oh, let's go downstairs. I've got some girls downstairs. We can have like a roll and stuff. I was like, okay. And then she rolled with me and I've never been more disappointed with my performance (laughs) in my entire (laughs) life. Everything I tried to do, she was just like, no, no, that's not happening. Oh, what you're big and long, big and long. Are you? Oh, that's really nice. And then like passed my guard. Like it was a hot knife through butter. 
and yeah. she got on my back and she was like look at my hands look at my hands look at me choke you I'm like oh thank you very much for choking me this is so nice isn't that so inspirational though like oh, yeah, I'm, i kind of sure. love getting beat up <laughs> but the fact that like here's this woman who's like five 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 six she's like very slight of build she's I'm not going to hazard a guess at her age because I don't want to insult anyone, but she's, she's in the master's categories. And um, mm -hmm. like, I thought that I was okay at jujitsu at the time. And mm -hmm. she showed me just how terrible my jujitsu really is. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it felt like she wasn't even trying. <laughs> yeah. So knowing that there's this massive gap, between what's possible and what I currently have is really good it's it's good knowledge to have because you're like oh, yeah I can improve here here and here and like still be worse than her yeah and that's the worst thing about these people they're already like that good and they're only gonna get better so yeah great in five years time I'm gonna do it again and she's gonna do that again because she's found better yep. things people are the you worst. know who did that who did that for me was um when Fionn Davies came to Australia and we were yeah um and I just love her to bits like as an athlete and as a person like I she uh, is like she's I'm, so cool but I I'm pretty sure there isn't a single person <laughs> on the planet who has any ill words to say about her <laughs> I would hope not because like you know my gut instinct would be like I want to beat you up but like she could obviously beat them up way better than I could <laughs> So it wouldn't be an issue but yeah when she came to she was in melbourne first and we were there visiting um, we were training at absolute mma which is where um lachlan and livia giles um stay on the gym and they coach there and so there's a girl there who i think her name's going to be big um within the next few years brooke butler she's a blue belt at the, right now but she's just like she's so fucking good um and so she subbed me like every time we rolled it was just like okay sub 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 and I'm like oh my god like I'm getting beat up by the like she's not just a blue belt by any, any stretch of the imagination like she's really thinking good and um even Livia said that Brooke's one of her like top training partners because she's just so thinking good and then I saw her roll with Fionn and Fionn just like it was like <laughs> like she made Brooke look like I felt and Brooke is like that's no knock against Brooke like Brooke is so good but that's just how good Fionn is too you know and then we just rolled a little bit um when Fionn came to Adelaide and we had come back at the time and so she did a seminar and we just you know did like a little light roll um and just she's so she's so little but so strong mm. you know she's got a judo background and she was you know obviously wasn't even trying with me and I'm like even if I were to like roll to the death with her and she was still going at this pace, like she would whoop my ass. Like it would be like, you, know, you ever see like the Avengers movie with the Hulk and Loki where he's just like, psh, psh, psh. Oh, like yeah. that's what it would have been like. <laughs> and no doubt she would finish that session by saying puny God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that to me, I was just like, again, just so inspirational. Like you see someone who can beat, you up and then somebody who beats that person up and it's just like oh my god like there's so many levels to this <laughs> you know it's like tiramisu. like there's a reason he's one of the best in the world <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like for me it's surprising because i've met few on a few times and mm -hmm. 
for me is like she's from this little place in Wales and I'm like she's one of the greatest competitors on the planet how is that possible mm-hmm. that she's from this little tiny place yeah. <laughs> in Wales it's it like because of like the standing of Brazilian jiu-jitsu it's like oh uh, Brazilians are good at this sport like some Americans yeah. are really good at this sport I you don't really expect it from the Welsh or the English like for that matter but then mm-hmm. like you see some of them and it's like oh my god these people are fucking amazing yeah then, but like for Fion um she's I don't know she really understands her body she really understands like the um mechanics behind all of the stuff that she does and I love the fact that she I think I said this in the last podcast like she injects her personality into her jiu-jitsu so yeah every time she's taught she has me in stitches because (laughs) the things that she calls her moves are hilarious like did she show you the angry dog no she said something in that seminar that like we were all just cracking up but I forget what it was now Oh man, the angry dog, what is the angry dog? The angry dog is where, like, I I can't remember the move in its entirety, but she's like, Mm -hmm. you need to get your head underneath their chin, so you're like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's, she's like, it's kind of like you're motorboating, but I don't want to call it motorboating, it's the angry dog. (laughs) That's incredible. She is incredible. Um, yeah like just watching her role with people in general um is like mesmerizing I watched her suplex yeah. a guy <laughs> that was funny yeah yeah like she did a Q&A session yeah she did a Q&A session <laughs> at the end of um this seminar that she was doing up in uh Scotland when I was there it's the time that I am um, interviewed her for this podcast now that I think about it okay and um <clears throat> I said does that not count as a slam because you're lifting them up and throwing them down? And she went, oh, no, if it's one smooth motion, she grabbed this guy, and lifted him up and chucked him to the ground. It's like, that's not a slam because it's one smooth motion. If I stopped in the middle, picked him up again and then threw him to the floor, that's a slam. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's amazing. I love her so much. That's incredible. I don't think that there's a single podcast where she hasn't been mentioned because like she is just the greatest and I refuse yeah. to hear anything <laughs> against that yep uh, so how did you go from Costa Rica to Adelaide you're obviously not from Costa Rica either because how, listen how can to, you tell I mean <laughs> is it, there is were just the a few things <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say blinding white <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same in that respect. Like, I'm surprised more people aren't blinded when the sun comes into a gym. <laughs> like, my skin just acts as a mirror. Like, that's why I'm trying to get that's so my... many tattoos. So <laughs> I'm not as blinding. Yeah, I'm practically translucent. Like, you can almost <laughs> see all my organs. <laughs> Y'all should be grateful for that little layer of chunk I got on me. Otherwise, you see everything. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm actually... I, I say I'm from Pittsburgh. I was born in Texas and we lived in Nashville um, when I was a kid. But like I spent most of, you know, my my formative years in childhood and teenagehood in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, yeah, we took um, it was like a 
school. It was kind of a school trip. It was like you could, you know, pay money to go to Costa Rica with school and the trip was planned um, when I was in my senior year of high school. And we went for a week and I just like fell in love with it. And, you know, I was like on the plane, 17 years old when we were leaving. I'm like, I'm going to move here one day. And everyone was like, sure you are. And then I did for four years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I came back from Costa Rica, lived in Pittsburgh for like another year. And then um, I met my current partner, Dan, who runs um, Grapple Apparel with his business partner, James. Um, and so we have a mutual friend in Ohio who was like, oh, you know, I know these guys, they just started a company and they're looking for like female ambassadors to sponsor. And I was like, me, me, me. Um, and so they sponsored me and then they were like, hey, you should come visit us in Australia. And, you know, I'm like, you don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> so I, I, I booked um, my flight and I came and I stayed with Dan and we hit it off and, you know, I'm like any excuse. <laughs> to move somewhere new and fun. So yeah, we've been I've been here about two almost two years. So Oh wow. Yeah. Nice. Cinnamon. So when you moved back to Pittsburgh from Costa Rica, were you still training then or were you taking a break from jujitsu? Like you said before no. that like you didn't have that moment where you were like, Oh my god, this needs to be my life from now on. <laughs> was it something that was important for you to keep up or did you just go, uh I I don't want to gain all the weight, you know, like I have in lockdown. So (laughs) I just want to find a place near here that lets me eat what I want still. (laughs) So I think by that point, because I live, so I actually moved back to Costa Rica like twice. I moved there and it was for nine months. And um, then I came back to Pittsburgh for a year, moved back to Costa Rica again. And that was the other, you know, three odd years. Um, So the first time I came back, I had a lot of trouble finding a gym because um, I, I loved jujitsu by that point. Like it was kind of a slow burn, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't that grand moment of, you know, like I said, like, I love this. But by the time the nine months had passed, you know, I'd competed for the first time and it was like my life and that I was, I didn't want to move back to Pittsburgh. It was like, I just ran out of money because teaching doesn't really pay a lot. No way. And so I moved back. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> you would never guess. Um, So I moved back and I was very reluctant to move back. And so jujitsu was kind of what I was looking for in terms of stability, you know, just like I want something that I can hold on to that I had in Costa Rica because like it's such a life shift. And so I eventually found like an MMA gym um, and, you know, I was able to do striking, which was also good. Um, But yeah, and then when I moved back again, like by that point, jujitsu was a huge part of my life and I was involved with jujitsu times like there's no getting out of it now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, mm-hmm. so before jujitsu then, um, obviously growing up in the States and um, like you have a much different uh, education system to we to us here. And I know you have like wrestling and other grappling things like as yeah. Things that you can do in school that we don't hear. Yeah. Like the most physical That's that you wild. get is like rugby. You're like, oh, wow. Rugby's physical though. Yeah, but I don't want to play it. It's also really <laughs> boring. Like, it? it looks so much cooler than, yeah. I don't know, just normal soccer. <laughs> well, it's, it's more interesting than what we call American football. 
because (laughs) I don't understand how people find that interesting at all it's like let's move forward five yards and then take 20 minutes to move again like okay like how do people suffer through it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah rugby's pretty brutal um yeah and then we have like hockey and soccer as you call it um like other than that it's just running like oh give us something interesting like there's a push yeah. here to get jujitsu and in, entered into the like the UK curriculum, which I think oh, would be okay. interesting. But um, I don't know how they would implement it fully. I think there needs to be some more thought around it because there might be an initial outgoing expense where you have to buy the gi and stuff. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Let's do no gi. Yeah. Just a load of kids slipping and sliding, trying to kill each other. <laughs> that'd be pretty cool <laughs> i think i think it would work mm. like to have nogi in school because mm. they had like they had wrestling for us as like oh this like looking back this drives me crazy but we had um like you have the different units in gym like you yeah. learn ping pong and soccer flag football whatever um and so there was one unit where it was like you divide into boys and girls and the boys do wrestling and the girls do yoga and what? i think there was the yeah and there was the option to do wrestling like if you were a girl and if you were a boy you could do the yoga but it was kind of like you know there and my school was just like yeah it was optional and it was like there was a lot of I don't know if I'd call it stigma kids are jerks you know like if a girl had done the wrestling they were oh you know she's you know whatever you know it's like some homophobic slur (laughs) and same for (laughs) Same for the boys who would want to do yoga, you know, and so no one really did it. I was like, man, I'd rather do. I know, like, because looking back, and I think at the time too, I was a wrestling. The technical term was a wrestling manager, but it was a scorekeeper, you know. So I, I went to all the wrestling meets, and I was, you know, fairly involved with the team. And I was always like, man, like, I could, I could kind of wanted to do it, but it was you got fed the rhetoric of well every girl that tries like she never gets matches because you know oh with the boys you know if you win you beat up a girl and if you lose you lose to a girl so there was a lot of that rhetoric going around and so you didn't really see any girls wrestling Mm. in that area but I kind of look back now and I'm like man like I think I would have had fun with that and I'm bummed that one I, I wasn't like I want to say as woke. I wasn't as educated as I was as I am now about those sort of dynamics. Mm. And also just, you know, like even if I hadn't been, even if I wasn't educated on that, like why didn't I just like push past it and do it anyway? Yeah. You know, like I was a stubborn piece of shit. Like why didn't I just do it? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot to be said about um, doing the things that you want to do, the things that interest you because like you say, there's a lot of stigma, especially at that age, for someone who does something outside of the norm. So, yeah, like, I have so much love and respect for the people who are like, I want to do it, though. And then they just get on mm-hmm. and do it. Like, I didn't have that at school. Um, I don't have it a lot now. Like, there are some things where I'm very stubborn. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, yeah. no, I'm doing it. <laughs> Um, but then there are some other things where I'm just not confident enough to like put myself out there. But 
oh, it, it really sucks <laughs> that um, things like that happened. Like, do you think that there's been like there's obviously been a massive cultural shift in the past five to ten years, and mm-hmm. the generation that we have coming up now is a lot more open and they they're more willing to discuss things like feelings and accessibility yeah. and um equality which is remarkable um like i i don't think that the that experience would be the same now as it was back when like even just when you were at school you're yeah not, you're not that old are you I'm 27. I'll be 28 in September. So yeah, so I'm fairly old. I'm an old person compared to you. How old are you? I'm like 34. 34. Yeah. I thought you were like maybe 30. No, everyone thinks I'm a lot younger than I am, but that's because yeah, I've got good skin. I don't. You do. <laughs> I'm jealous. Tell me your secrets. <laughs> estrogen. <laughs> lots and lots of estrogen. Um, it's true though like my skin cleared up and I think I lost about five years when I started hormone treatment Um, really I have an identical twin brother and he looks like he gained all of the age that I lost so he looks like he's nearing 40 and I look like I'm nearing 30 so you're like aging in reverse yeah I'm Benjamin buttoning it it's gonna be cool yeah I can't wait until I'm 40 (laughs) and I look 18 oh my god it's gonna be cool yeah uh but yeah like when i was getting my tattoo done the other day they kept they wouldn't shut up about my skin and i was just like oh just do my tattoo let's talk about something else and then no but like yeah yeah your skin is incredible so wow thank you very much (laughs) i'm just gonna let you talk for a second while i while i blush over here Listen, I'll give you compliments all day long. You know this. <laughs> don't do it because I don't know how to handle them. <laughs> the counselling I had did nothing for it. No. <laughs> so why did you get into jujitsu? I don't think we've talked about that. Um, I've spoken about it a few times on uh, this podcast, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I started, uh, I think it was like 2016, the end of 2016. Um when I was living in Southampton, like at the beginning of my transition, I, um, I, I went to the cinema on my own one evening and then I was approached by like two guys when I was on my way back to my car. And, um, like I was beaten up and assaulted a little bit and it wasn't yeah. pleasant, but it kind of, it gave me a lot of, um, issues. It, like really flared up my anxiety um so yeah I struggled to leave the house like at night um and then I moved to Liverpool after I separated from my partner and between where I worked and the Costco I was on my way back from getting uh cookies and uh cake because mm-hmm. why wouldn't I get cake and cookies at lunchtime yeah. Uh, you're an adult you do what you want <laughs> i can have ice cream for breakfast and i have had ice cream for breakfast <laughs> i have to not ashamed exactly what's the point of being an adult if you can't um mm-hmm. but yeah um when i was walking back from costco one afternoon i saw um like this mma academy 
And I was like, that looks interesting. And like, when I was growing up, I always enjoyed the thought of martial arts, but I'd never actually participated in any. Yeah. Like I'd wrestle with my brother because we were the same age and about the same size. And we watched the WWE a lot. So <laughs> um, throwing my brother off like a sofa was awesome. <laughs> And like pedigreeing yeah. him into the ground, like it just makes me happy. <laughs> I think I got into jujitsu because I want to hurt my brother. Like, <laughs> but no, like I got into the MMA academy. They had like a women's class, and I asked them if I could um, join. Like I let them know about being trans and stuff, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah cool, just come along." Um, so I did my first. Like originally it was one class of jujitsu and one class of Thai boxing a week. And mm -hmm. I think after the second week, I was like, I don't want to do Thai boxing anymore. Um, I'm too lazy, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I don't have the energy for it and I don't want to get punched in the face. So um, I started doing more jujitsu and I just fell in love with it and mm -hmm. have ever since like um <clears throat> i'm one of those people who did have that moment where i was like this is this is great i want to keep doing it i want to learn more i want to experience more and then um yeah then i moved to milton Keynes, where i am now and i met Haley, who is one of my coaches and a very good friend and she uh like i think we met up before i went to a class and we had like coffee and stuff, which was awesome. And then ever since then, she's beaten me up almost every single week until the lockdown. Aww. I know. She's very yeah. kind. She's very kind. <laughs> Just before lockdown, she started learning Wormguard and made my life a living hell. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you do this? I need to figure <laughs> out how to shut this down. <laughs> I can't find it. I haven't done Gian ever. Wormguard's rough. Oh my yeah. god. I love the gi. I, I because I have so many um issues with my body, no gi is really um difficult for me. But yeah. at the same time, no gi kind of has like the best outfits. And like Yeah. So I'm not sure if you've seen it. Like I think I posted when I got back from Australia. I got um Dan Strauss's lumberjack outfit. Yeah, like, it's like the flannel t-shirt gi and the yeah. really really yeah. short short jean shorts so that's one of my favorite outfits and i've just um literally yesterday when i got home um my raspberry ape singlet has arrived so i can't wait to wear yeah. that that should be interesting i'm gonna have to wear something underneath it because i'm pretty sure i will pop out all over the place but i'm very excited to actually get to wear it, it should be funny. I love Nogi fashion. Honestly, <laughs> like, and as silly as it sounds, I think, because um, we live close enough to the gym where I can walk, and so I normally just walk to the gym every day. And so because of all the COVID restrictions, like, we're not allowed to change at the gym. So I have oh. to change at home and then walk to the gym. Like, we're allowed to train. But, yeah, like, that's just one of the restrictions. So, um, you know, I'll walk and have, like, you know, my crazy spats, I have like, they're grapple apparel spats. So one side is pineapples and one side is flamingos. <laughs> and then I'll have like 
rainbow tie-dye shorts and like, you know, some weird rash guard, like bright orange rash guard. And like, people look at me like, is she okay? You know, like when you see someone walking along the side of the highway at midnight and you're like, is that person doing all right? Like, that's kind of the look that I get walking there. And, um, and it's weirdly like empowering because I'm like, I look ridiculous, but like, I could probably beat you up. So it's a good, it's a good mentality to have. Like, yeah. For me personally, like after about six months of jujitsu, my anxiety kind of subsided enough where I was okay with like being outside at night. Um, I could go to the yeah. cinema again on my own, which was brilliant. Aww. I know, I know. I really love the cinema. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like getting to go again was amazing. But like jujitsu is one of those weird things where because it's so empowering like the confidence it gives you kind of spills over to other areas of your life as well. And like, I found that when I was at work, I was more, um, I was happier to speak up and speak my mind to people um, and not let them like kind of talk over me and stuff, which yeah. had been happening a lot <laughs> before then. Yeah. Like, um, now I'm very much of the opinion that if you don't want to listen to me, then I'm not going to talk. And then people like if I'm talking and someone tries to talk over me, I stop and I don't start again until they've stopped talking and other people ask me to speak. It's like, well, I'm not yeah. going to talk over you. I refuse. And people find it. Yeah. annoying. So now they just don't talk over me, which is nice. I know. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't happen in the first that's place. A, that's a good tip, I think. Yeah. I know. And talk I, quiet. I've started to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've started to do, um, like, I don't, almost, like, subtly let people know that they've interrupted me. Like, wait for them to say what they're saying, like you said, and then just be like, can I speak now? <laughs> you know, like, and it sounds a little bit see, but, like, Very you know, like, aggressive. are you finished? Like, is it my turn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't... It doesn't come out like quite that way, mm. you know, but it, it it's just kind of like I was talking yeah. and you were speak like you were speaking over me, like, are you finished so that I can say my piece, you know? Can I, can I continue talking now, please? Yeah. <laughs> You're I think that happens a lot for women, <laughs> mm. you know? And it shouldn't. Like, yeah, I'm, I changed jobs just over a year ago and the reason that I chose the job that I have is because um, the woman who hired me is now mm -hmm. my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> she's this, she's beautiful, she's French, and she literally takes no prisoners when she talks to people. <laughs> yes. She doesn't care about the language barrier. She just talks and talks and talks. And she is the most remarkable woman I I know and Aww. like she's definitely someone that I aspire to be more like in my um like in the professional world so it's good to have role models like that that I can aspire to be yeah. just like um I've said this millions of times as well like Haley who is my coach like she's literally my hero in jiu-jitsu and she's who I aspire to be like in jiu-jitsu and in general like 
she's very much the kind of uh, grappler that I want to be. So it's nice yeah. having those people around me in the gym. And yeah, like, it's always nice to have people around you that are nice and that you want to emulate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think a, lot, a lot of people don't realize how they might have that impact on other people. Mm. You know, like, I think everyone has their own confidence issues, you know, but, um, you know, I think we all inspire people in ways that we might not realize, you know, yeah. or like we might be jealous, like we might envy people and they don't realize like that they're enviable, Yeah, you know, and that includes you. Shush. <laughs> no, 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 no. but like for, for like it's understandable because people just think i'm just being myself like this is just who i am mm -hmm. and it's um it's weird to think that you being yourself and not trying to do anything special is enviable mm -hmm. like for me it is <laughs> like i don't understand why people um like talk to me at all like personally or professionally, like I'm an idiot. Why, why, why are we having this conversation? <laughs> you can speak to smarter people. No, like, <laughs> but you shouldn't be speaking to yourself and about yourself like that, you know, because like to me, you're a massive inspiration, you know, and I know that goes for plenty of other people. Yeah. You know, and I think we are like, I know I'm the same way. Like when someone's like, I think you're cool. I'm like me, like, no, you're talking to the person behind me, you know, cause like, I'm just like, I'm awkward and you know, I'm not really good at anything, you know, and that's how like I see myself. But, you know, I think if we spoke to ourselves the way mm. we would want people to speak to our friends, you oh, know, yeah. for sure, I think that we would be a bit nicer to ourselves and each other. <laughs> Well, I have really <laughs> negative self-talk. Um, I've been to counselling recently for mm -hmm. it. It's just a group of people who have negative self-talk. Like, um, it's probably the same for for you. Um, like, I'm mm -hmm. ridiculously positive to every single person in my life. If anyone comes mm -hmm. to me saying, oh, I'm rubbish at this and I do this, I will do everything in my power to make them feel special. But then mm -hmm. when the same thing happens to me, I curl up like uh, a piece of plastic under a flame and just, mm -hmm. I don't, I can't accept these things at all. Like for me personally, I know that a lot of it comes from the fact that I was raised on um, negative inference. So mm. um, when I was spoken to it, it was always like, you've done this wrong, you've done this wrong, you'll never amount to anything, like all of that. And mm. so now I find that when people come and they say bad things to me, I'm like, oh, cool, I can fix that. I can do this. I can take that and I can make it better. But when someone says that was really good, I start crying because I don't understand how to process positive emotions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Ah, and that, that was such a driving influence in your life. Um, It's fine. It like, Personally, I think the reason that it is so prevalent in my life is because I was dealing with a lot of other things at the time, and that's kind of what I clung on to. Um, yeah. Because I was trying to figure out who I was at the time and who I should present myself as. And, mm -hmm. like, 
I've said it. I have like an identical twin brother, so um, he was who I modelled myself on, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this is what he thinks is cool and fun. So like, we can kind of be the same person, um, and then like everything that came with that was kind of negative because I was pushing everything else back. Um, yeah, and now I need to untangle all of that <laughs> as an adult, but it's fine. It's, it's a lot to untangle. It's a lot of work. <laughs> mm, mm. Like I have glimpses of positivity, which I'm happy with. Um, I mean, like I don't have a bad life. I just have moments of depression and anxiety, yeah. and I'm I'm better at recognizing them. So, like I'm, it's fine, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. One thing that um, a counselor told me a while back, because like I've, you know, been to lots of counseling. I'm on antidepressants again. Like I've got all sorts of mm. mental crap going on too. So, you know, obviously like I don't understand like your exact personal struggle, but, you know, I, c- I can relate to an extent, you know, mm. something that a counselor told me is like, it's okay if you can't summon all these positive thoughts for yourself. Like it's okay if you can't look in the mirror and say like, you know, you look great today or, you know, you're a smart person. Cause like I had a hard time with that, yeah. but, um, they said, all you have to do, like, this is what I want to work on. When somebody says, um, Avery, like you look good today or Avery, like, I love your smile. I love this about you. All you have to do is not shoot them down. All you have to do is say, thank you. Mm. And that is like, that's your homework. Yeah. And, and like taking it as like, okay, somebody else is doing the love for me. You know, like thinking of love as like a verb. Somebody else is doing that to me. And all I have to do is like not push it away. Mm. Like all I have to do is say thank you. And that was like, <laughs> you know, like blew my mind. <laughs> and like suddenly it was like, okay, now that I'm not pushing that stuff away. And that translated to jujitsu for me as well. Um, because, you know, I'm very self-critical. And even in jujitsu, you know, I'd be like, I can't compliment myself like I have a decent guard and like that's all I got going for me you know but other people would roll with me and they'd be like oh you're so good and I would always deflect and be like oh like I don't think so like I'm not really that good I'm kind of just everyone's restaurant and then again all I started doing was saying like thank you and it again like and suddenly I could recognize that you know, my jujitsu wasn't terrible. Like maybe I wasn't an unworthy blue belt or purple belt, (laughs) you know, like I I deserved to be where I was. Yeah. Like I do something similar to that now where, um, I was very much the same when someone would give me praise, I'd be like, Oh no, no, it's fine. And then push Mm -hmm. it back. And like, I think I've done it like four or five times in this podcast alone. (laughs) Yes. When it's, um, when it's people saying, uh, things to me about me personally um I always like there are a few friends I talk to about my insecurities and they say things to me um that I don't necessarily agree with and before I would just push them away but now I say thank you for telling me that I don't wholeheartedly see it but I'm glad that you see that in me yeah and like for me, recognizing that my perception of myself isn't the same as everybody else's perception of me is the first step to like what you're going through, where it's just like, thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's 
Yeah. Like, I want to get to that point, but I also don't want to make other people feel bad for giving me those compliments. So I don't want to be like, thank you, and then do nothing with the information. I, I have to recognize that you're seeing something that I'm not, and I mm-hmm. need you to know that I value that you think that way of me, but it's not how I see mm-hmm. myself at this moment in time. And, like, there have been a few times where people have been like, good i'm glad that you're just accepting it yeah Um, (laughs) because i have very aggressive relationships with my friends (laughs) i I know what you mean pieces of shit like which is what they are in my opinion (laughs) pieces of shit that we love (laughs) exactly exactly they're not the stinky kind So, you've been in this sport for, do you say, nine years? Eight-ish, I think, yeah. I guess that math will check out. Yeah, eight. Like, you've been, like, to lots of different places as well. So, how have you found, um, uh, sorry, my voice is going. <laughs> um, how have you found, like, uh female participation in the sport like since you started and like to where we are now like Mm -hmm. you write a lot about female participation and like the things like rolling with women or how to make the how to make your gym spaces more inclusive for women and things like that yeah so like have you found that the gradual growth of women in the sport is having a, a good impact on the sport as well? I think so. Like um, when I first started, and again, I know my experience is kind of um, not really universal because it is it did take place in Costa Rica, you know, where you know it's a tiny itty bitty country, um, and I was I wasn't the only woman, but I was the only woman that was there consistently that stuck with it, you know, mm. um, and so coming from that. And the, the female representation there was, like, not great. Um, and at the time, I remember there was a brown belt woman who um, she spoke up about how a tournament was offering prize money for men but not for women. Um, and that was kind of, like, I think that was, I guess, my wake-up call, like, oh, you know, like, being treated like this in the sport, that's not normal. That's not how it should be. I shouldn't just, like, sit back and take that. Mm. And so over the years, I think it has it's gotten better. Um, and then again, I know my experience hasn't been like the universal one. I didn't start training in the U S or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's grown. I think a lot of people are pushing back more when they see problematic behavior, um, especially misogyny in the sport. Um, Mm. and even all the other, you know, racism, you know, homophobia, transphobia, I'm seeing more people speak up about it. Um, not that it's not a problem anymore, obviously, like, as we know very well. Um, but I, like, I remember when I first started writing for Jesus the times, even a few years ago, and, you know, I would, you know, throw out some crazy theory out there that like, you know, women are people too. And I would have just like an inbox full of angry DMs. And now it's, um, <laughs> and now it's just so much better. Um, and you know, when people say like stupid, stupid things, um, 
you see more pushback from it at least. Mm -hmm. So like the idiots are still there, but at least there are more people that have the courage to be like, okay, other people are speaking up about this. I'm not in the minority anymore. Like I can say like, Hey, you're being a piece of shit. You shouldn't be a racist, you know, like, or, you know, homophobia or transphobia has no place in the sport. There are people Mm -hmm. that are speaking up about that a bit more. Yeah. I've noticed that. Um, a lot more like um things kicked off here on wednesday or thursday after the uh uk i think it's like a a rugby council announced that they were mm-hmm. going to look at um trans people in rugby oh um, yeah i whether, saw your post about that yeah and whether or not they're like they should be allowed to compete with women and stuff and like mm-hmm. uh that was posted in the uk underground and the same comments kept coming up um, about all of the ridiculous things that people seem to believe. But um, one thing that I have noticed that's changed over the past probably 12 months is more and more people are latching on to um, like philosophers like uh, Jordan Peterson and they're trying to use his <laughs> rhetoric to um, down talk like participation in sport like oh well you don't get to be like you don't have equality well what is it like equality of outcome over equality of um something else i can't be bothered to put any effort into it because what they're spouting is absolute (laughs) fucking nonsense um yeah but it makes them feel smart and they think that because they write a lot of words what they're saying is true when it's not and um like they're people who actively deny the science in front of them because they don't feel that it's right and Mm -hmm. they don't understand that their arguments are coming from a place of bias because they're like oh well men do this this and this and then they completely forget about the three and a half years of hormone replacement that takes most of those advantages away and then they also forget things like i don't know athleticism is a venn diagram not a fucking yeah one or none um yeah so like they conveniently ignore all of the information that goes against their argument and then when you present that to them they go well that doesn't seem right and then that's it like yeah (laughs) there's nothing else yeah um and like i've started taking a step back from these arguments because obviously i used to invest very heavily in them and they were Mm -hmm. very negative for my mental health but now yeah I'm very fortunate that like a lot of people here actually muck into the conversations without being prompted like there are a lot of female athletes in the UK who jump in and they're like actually I think you'll find you're being a fucking idiot and I don't yeah I don't have to be that person anymore because other people understand that it's just stupid um so yeah that's uh that's been interesting but like i don't think it's a conversation that's going to stop anytime soon and also like even when it comes to things like oh well any man can just do this this and this and then all of a sudden they can participate in women's sports and it's like well you're conveniently forgetting everything that that entails and like the number of people who have said, well, why don't I just put on a wig and then compete in the women's divisions? And I'm like, well, 
are you going to go through everything else that comes with it? Because the dysphoria yeah. I felt living as a man is what you're going to feel when you transition to get a fucking tin medal that means nothing yeah. from a local competition. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> Maybe local competitions are really big to them and they want <laughs> <laughs> they want that recognition. Honestly. That's something that everyone says they want to do, but like nobody has the the yeah. whatever the guts to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I would love for one of these people to actually go through everything that um, transitioning entails and then win a medal at a competition because it's not yeah. going to be as easy as they think it is. And like everything that I've been through, like jujitsu is my first proper sport like ever. And mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that I've been like relatively successful in competition but mm-hmm. a lot of that comes down to things that don't necessarily have to do with jujitsu. Like I don't necessarily mm-hmm. get the same performance anxiety that other people do because mm-hmm. I spent three and a half years of people just staring at me in the street. So I've learned to mm-hmm. kind of block out the crowd. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very good at focusing on like just my jujitsu and stuff, whereas other people will panic about what their coaches are thinking and what their Um, friends and family are thinking like for Mm -hmm. me when I go to compete it's more about this is just another role but it's on a bigger stage so it's going to challenge me more that's all that happens yeah like I still get the adrenaline dump I still get all of the the nerves when I'm standing on the edge of the mat waiting to go on but that's yeah that's all I have like I don't have to deal with anything else other than those two things <laughs> so I'm so jealous <laughs> yeah and like I'm very fortunate in that respect and as I've gone into blue belt the gap between me and the other competitors has shortened so um I've been very fortunate this year I got a competition just before lockdown and I was able to fight um a couple of women who were my size and my weight and I had some of the best matches that I've ever had because they were my size and weight. Aww. Normally there's like 15 to 20 kilos between me and the other person. Yeah. Which is a big factor when it comes to like jujitsu, white belt and blue belt, because like they're a bit more spazzy, but like yeah. the longer you're in blue belt, the better you get and all of this fun stuff. But yeah, the people that thought that <laughs> I was competing to get a tin medal at white belt, <laughs> and I transitioned for the sole purpose of doing that. Yeah. It's laughable. Oh my God. And it's stupid. But the people who also say that I have an unfair advantage, like, I could show you my matches from that competition, and you will see that we were pretty evenly matched throughout, and I scored some lucky points that got me the win. Like, I didn't submit my opponent, and she overpowered me through most of it. <laughs> so, like, a lot of the arguments that they have are ridiculous and also circumstantial because yeah. they seem to lump all trans people into one category, completely forgetting that trans is an umbrella term for a medical condition. Um, yeah. Um, I'm 5'11 and I current, well, I've got that lockdown weight. So <laughs> I'm currently about 15, 20 kilos heavier than I'm supposed to be but like at my fighting weight I'm about 95 kilos um but they don't take into account that there are trans people out there who are five six 
they weighed like 60 kilos and like yep. they're gonna have a much tougher time there are, there are trans people who didn't experience uh, a male um puberty so do they mm-hmm. get lumped in with trans people too they, they're gonna fight men <laughs> even though they never had all of this testosterone that you had for so many years yeah honestly i think about that um because you know again you see the stupid arguments that people make obviously mm. and i i think a lot of people just imagine you know every every trans woman is being like you know literally yeah, yeah exactly That's, and yeah, to me like haven't yeah <clears throat> and for me like having been in competitions where i've just been lumped with you know whatever weight class with all the women in my weight group i'm like i don't you know like i know it's silly and a little reductive to be like i don't care about gender and jiu-jitsu but genuinely like mm. i like if i can get someone in my weight class like i do not care you know who you are how you identify like to me, it, it's ridiculous to me that like a trans woman might not be allowed to you know who you said like was five foot six mm. wouldn't be allowed to compete against me because like you know bigotry but some you know a, a cisgender woman who's you know the same size as you know, like you have Gabby Garcia, mm. who's a cisgender woman, and she's you know gigantic, but she might be lumped in the same category as me yeah. just because what we're, you know, yeah. we're we both have, cisgender women. Like that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have the same chromosomes, and therefore we have to fight together. Like yeah, it like it's stupid. Like yeah, it doesn't work like that. It's silly. Yeah. Like, um, so I was supposed to be putting on another competition at the end of this year. Um, I got new medals and everything made, which. I love they're beautiful um, oh. I thought I had one near me but I've obviously moved it because I'm an idiot um, but they're amazing I'll send you pictures um, yeah, one of the things that I was going to add this year was a mixed division because I've had so many yeah. because of all of the nonsense that people have been coming out with like oh you just got this massive advantage like I think in jiu-jitsu the weight classes mean more than the gender separations Oh, yeah, 100%. So that's what I was going to introduce um, at Blue and Purple Belt only. I, I wouldn't trust white belts at all. I'm, <laughs> in I, general. <laughs> yeah, for the competition. In anything. In um, I'm apprehensive about blue belts, but I think they're a bit smarter. I just, yeah. for me, I want to just make sure that people know um, how to be safe and how to protect themselves so yeah. uh blue and purple makes the most sense for me um i agree but uh the last few days of like people debating this stuff in the underground they've started talking about oh well why don't we add mixed divisions and then this this and this and they're trying to say that the only time that i should be allowed to compete is when there's a mixed division so oh, I've heard- it's so stupid. <laughs> and like the argument is normally why don't you just compete with men and like my argument against has always been I don't want to set that precedent because mm-hmm. as soon as I start doing that that's what they expect all trans people to do and yeah it doesn't work like that and also <laughs> it's very um exclusionary for people earlier on in their yeah. journey because um it kind of puts a, a barrier up for people who are early on, early in their transition because if you're 
early in the transition, you're more likely to be noticeably trans. Whereas if you're later mm -hmm. in your transition, like it might not be that noticeable. Um, I refuse to use the word passing because it implies uh, sneakiness and underhandedness. It's not. It just means that you get to live the life that you want. <laughs> so yeah. blending is what I tend to use. Okay. So um, I don't like that if someone who doesn't visibly blend with the mm -hmm. gender that they're um, that they perceive themselves as that they should be picked on and like told no you have to compete here you have to do this you have to do that mm -hmm. it's not right and it's not my precedent to set either um yeah one of the issues that i've experienced is a lot of people have taken me as the poster child for trans people in the uk and mm -hmm. they expect that what i do should be used as the um the blueprint for everything else when it really shouldn't <laughs> like I'm I'm big and not all trans people are so like I can't be that person for everyone or everything I'm not the be all mm -hmm. and end all of trans people it's ridiculous I'm pretty sure I'm not even yeah. the only trans person who's competing I'm just the only out trans person that's competing yeah it's silly it's silly yeah I think we've gone off on a tangent <laughs> no but i think like and that's a good point about the term passing too which i had never even considered so you taught me something uh, as well <laughs> yeah um I but no like you're exactly right and that's i think a point a lot of people don't consider or an argument i see is like well you know it's almost like everyone who's trans is automatically treated as being male or that they mm. should be lumped in with the men like if you see um you know mac beggs who's um exactly. the the wrestler who i interviewed him a few years back he's lovely too um but you know people were saying well you know he's transitioning to male so she, she he should be with the men and you know of course he's like yeah i know it's texas that's the problem but exactly. you know so by that same logic you know a trans woman should also be able to compete mm -hmm. in the women's division you know but like if people they want everybody to just compete in the men's division which is ridiculous to me yeah it's it's silly it really it's is reductive. <sighs> and yeah. it's just i think i've said it a few times um i've like posted on facebook and stuff i'm just tired because mm -hmm. there's only so many mm -hmm. times i can say these things and like the people saying them change but mm -hmm. i have to keep saying the same thing over and over and over and like, I want to be able to just go look here. There's my default response to your nonsense. And then yeah. any questions come back and I'll talk to you if you want to have an yeah. actual conversation about it. But most of the people who have these, um, I want to say outbursts on social media, mm -hmm. they don't want to debate it. They just want to put their two cents in on what they think and feel. And then that's it. Yeah. They just want to be loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and misogynistic. You need to have like a choose your own adventure of like if you want to say this in response to our debate, <laughs> you know. <laughs> choose your own adventure, the bigger edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm not we a bigot. Well, well follow that. the adventure and you'll find out. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I need to make this. I mean, you've written a book. There's your next million dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was definitely not million dollar idea. <laughs> I have it. So what? I just need to get to it. Yeah, oh, I bought sorry. it. I just need to I have a big reading pile that I need to get through. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. expect great things. <laughs> I you're a great thing and I'm expecting great things from the things you produce. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel upset and I don't I don't know if I can take this praise. But thank you very yeah. much for hey. thinking so. <laughs> <There. See? laughs> much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, you can see. I know, and that's awesome. I actually do have to get going. I think um, my partner's trying to eat some dinner, so I have to get cooking. What a loser. Anyway, so the only other question that I was going to ask is, like, with regards to female participation, is there anything that you feel could be done to improve it, like, either big or small, apart from, you know, exclude men for 15 years and see how they like it? <laughs> Empathy. Um, um, I think a big thing that we can do um, to increase women's participation is expand the way we market it towards women. Um, because I think the way a lot of people market it and it works is, um, you know, for self-defense purposes. And that's great. And like, that's obviously how I got into it. That's how a lot of women get into it. But there's also a lot of women who had very competitive you know, high school careers in sports or in college, you know, they would have some sort of competitive endeavor and then you get out of that and it's kind of like, well, what do I do? You know, like you kind of have community type leagues and things like that. But I think jujitsu is also just a really good competitive outlet. And you see men joining because, oh, they watched UFC or, you know, they, you know, like it, it seems to be more geared towards a competitive purpose for men and for women, it's really not. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it, it's it's always self-defense, you know, like protect yourself from the big scary man that's in the bushes waiting to rape you as you get home. And like, that's valid, <laughs> you know, but, it's you know, the there's also, reason. exactly. And I think a lot of gym owners, I don't want to call it laziness. Some of them is definitely laziness, you know, but there's a lot of them that don't market it from a perspective of like, this is just a badass thing to do. Like you can be your own superhero through this. You know, you can be, you know, like Videl or somebody like that from Dragon Ball Z, you know, like one of the female <laughs> superheroes or, you know, action heroes you look up to, you know, Black Widow from, you know, Marvel, things like that. Like that's cool. You know, like why aren't we pushing that on women? Cause that's so freaking cool. So I think that's a big thing we could do. Sorry, I'm just typing this up because I want to use it as a byline for the episode. You can be your own superhero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Like, and you're 100% correct. And um, like, so something that I've wanted to do for the past um, couple of years, but I've never been able to get around to it and get it off the ground is um, do self-defense workshops for the LGBT community. Yeah. Um, because like there is a lot of aggression directed towards them and then then, like yeah uh i don't know if you're aware but the uk has experienced a spike in hate crime towards trans people um it's up like 42 percent um from last year and it's 
ridiculous and a lot of it's physical mm-hmm. assault so um i think something like that would be quite valuable um so like personally i think also targeted um advertisements are also very valuable and like i really enjoy mm-hmm. your perspective of if you've got like a competitive mindset and you don't have an outlet jiu is perfect for it because mm-hmm. you can feed it every day <laughs> Like yeah just sparring yeah. in the gym you don't need to even need to go to a competition <laughs> yeah you're so smart <laughs> and just accept it <laughs> i did regretting <laughs> this is good yeah. i feel like we've both grown through this interaction yes <laughs> yay <laughs> right well i'm gonna let you get on to um dinner and i'm going yeah. to um do stuff with this and make it available for everyone to listen to yeah thank you Um, so much for doing this this is so much fun no thank you very much for speaking to me um the pleasure was literally all mine and it's very nice to meet you like kind of face to face for the first time (laughs) i know it's so weird meeting internet friends like it's so good but it's like you're a real person (laughs) oh no (laughs) please don't look at my face in any like kind of detail um (laughs) But like, I was expecting a bit more of an Australian accent, so maybe next time I know, work harder on that. Cultural. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna press stop on this record thing okay. now. <laughs>